So cool thing about this morning, I don't know if you'll think it's cool or not, but I was studying for the message this week, and the message was already over uh, what I call declarations. Uh, that was the theme. Luke and I have been going through this series, so it had already lined up. And so I was preparing this message, and one of the illustrations I was going to present here in a little bit, I was uh, working on it, and it was over the Declaration of Independence. And suddenly in the middle of doing it, I realized that today was the 4th of July. It's Independence Day. And so, I don't know, to me that's really cool when God does that because I, I wasn't even thinking like trying to theme it up. After that I did, but um, anyways, it's cool when God, God does that. That's a little personal thing for me when I see God working. And I know like Whitney and I, you know, when sometimes she usually coordinates with me during the week to know what the theme is, but sometimes um, she'll just go with something general and it'll, it'll tie in together. And it's cool to see God behind his church and behind what he's doing. But uh, anyways, interesting thing about the Declaration of Independence is that uh, our founding fathers, they declared freedom in 1776. But the thing is, when they declared freedom, they, they weren't yet free. It was going to take seven years before uh, they won the war, and we now live in the future that they created. So when they declared that they were free, they weren't yet free, and so they had to fight it out for seven years until that became a reality. And that's, that's the heart of what we're going to get at this morning God has declared that all who trust in Jesus, he has declared that we are saints. Not we're going to be saints or, you know, certain people are are saints. I know a lot of us as Christians, we're uncomfortable with that phrase uh, saint, but it's used over 60 times in the New Testament. So I think it's a very important word. It's It's a word that God wants us as believers to be defined by. The word saint, it means, it means holy one. Actually, the word saint, the, the Greek word for saint is the same exact um, um, word as holy in the New Testament. So when you see Holy Spirit or you say you should be holy as the Lord God is holy, and you, if you were to look in a concordance and you were to look at that Greek word, and then you were to go look at the word saint, it's the same exact word. So it's like Paul and Peter and, and Jesus are calling us holy, holies, you know. And so that's what the word, that's the gist of that word saint. It means holy one. It means to be uh, holy, means to be sacred. It means to be set apart. So God is saying that you are sacred, that you are set apart. And when God is holy, he is set apart unto him, himself. He is like no other. The, the root of that word is different. It is different. God is different. He is unlike no other, and we have been set apart to him. We are sacred. We are, we are holy. Like I said, a lot of people are uncomfortable with that term, a couple reasons. Uh, one, if you, you know, like the Catholics and some other traditions, they, you know, attribute the, the apostles. They call them St. James or St. Paul or, or St. Uh, Peter and whatnot. And so we don't feel like we match up with the apostles or St. Augustine or others throughout history who did these great things. Um, for God's kingdom. And so we call them saints. I think in the Catholic tradition, you can even earn sainthood, but God calls us all saints. 
Another reason we're uncomfortable with it is because we realize the, that we're sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. And, and that word, because we've elevated it and given it to uh, the apostles and these great Christians throughout times, we don't feel comfortable with it. We prefer, no, I'm just a sinner. That's, that's, a, that's a saint. But God calls us saints. He calls us sacred. He calls us um, holy ones. But being a saint isn't the result of what we do. Being a saint is a result of who we are. So it's out of this declaration that we become who we are. We don't earn saint status. We've already been given saint status, and now God has called us to live into saint status. Does that make sense? God, be with us this morning. We, we need you, Lord. Uh, just pray that you would uh, move over this place, Lord. Give me the words to speak and give us ears to hear, Lord. Open our hearts to receive it, Lord, in Jesus' name. But like the Declaration of Independence, it takes time. First Peter 1, 14, Peter says, he says to the church, he says, actually it's several churches, he says, As obedient children, church, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And we see God's commandment to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. You shall be holy, for I am holy. But in the New Covenant, through the grace of God, through the cross of Christ, the Holy Spirit, that sacred Spirit of God, dwells in us. So if He is holy, and He calls us to be holy, but then He who is holy comes to reside in us, that makes us holy. Today we're talking about becoming who we are. And we're going to talk about the declarations of victory that can help us get us there. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It'll also be on the screen there. Now, in this letter, Paul has been chastising the church because of sexual immorality, and then they've been fighting and, and uh, going to court. They've been suing one another, but they do it in worldly ways. <laughs> they do it by worldly uh, standards, and Paul's saying, shouldn't you be resolving these issues within your, yourselves he said, but instead you act just like the world. You're operating just like the world. And so he gives a reminder in 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 9, he says, Or do you not know, church, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 
These types of people, these people who are identified by this, you are a swindler, you are a drunkard, you are a thief, you are sexually immoral, you you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those types of people will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then listen to what Paul says next. And such were some of you. And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So what is he saying? It's easy to read these passages and say, hey, people who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And therefore, you guys have been practicing these things, and so you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, so you need to do better. That's not what Paul is saying. There's a big difference in what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, these types of people will not inherit the kingdom of God. People that are defined by these things, but you're not defined by these things anymore. You are defined by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. You are a child of God. That is who you are. That is not who you are. Therefore, stop acting like this. Because notice the people that he's chastising are the people that were acting like this. But he's saying, that's not you anymore. Don't you know those types of people will not inherit the kingdom of God? That is not you anymore. And such were some of you, church. But my goodness, I imagine Paul saying, you're washed, you're sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. It's not you. Stop it. Cut it out. Quit it. Identity matters. We are defined by what God declares about us. And the truth is, I think this is the problem with a lot of Christians, is we will be shaped by what we believe about ourselves. Moving on to 1 Peter chapter 2. This letter is written to various churches. We quoted from it uh, a little bit ago. It's written to scattered Christians, um, um, mostly made up of Gentile Christians, meaning non-Jewish Christians. See that you'll see that why that's important in a moment, and and uh, possibly a few Jews in in the church as well. But it's several churches. It's not just one church. This was what's called a circulatory letter would be passed around to the different churches. And they needed, the reason Peter wrote this letter is they needed to be able to define who they were in in trying times. They were being heavily persecuted, and they needed to be able to know who they were in Jesus Christ. So let's let's take a look at it. Starting in verse 9, Peter says to them, he says, but you, you are a chosen race. I love this passage. This has become, I know, I know Brandon tells me it's one of his favorites, but this has become one of my favorite passages in all of the New Testament. This is all about identity and purpose, who we are in Jesus Christ and what he has called us to. You get it all right here. He says, but you, church, you're a chosen race. Chosen, what does that mean? You're a chosen race. You're chosen by God. Out of the church, he calls it a chosen race. 
All those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, you have been chosen by God. It says you're a royal priesthood. That was a a phrase that was given uh, to Israel. They were to represent God to this world and introduce this world to God, to reconcile this world to God, to be a blessing uh, to the world. That is what he proclaims over the church. He says that we are a royal priesthood. You're all ministers. All of us are ministers. We're priests. We are a royal priesthood. Man, sometimes we, when we think about when we hear something like that, if I walk around and say, I'm part of the royal priesthood, you guys would think I'm some kind of name it and claim it preacher on TV, and, and, and a lot of people wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. But that's wrong. Just because these things have been abused, we need to know what the Lord says about us. He calls us a royal priesthood. It's good stuff. We're a kingdom of priests. That's what Peter is saying about the church. You're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. There's that word holy. You're sacred. Why does he call it a holy nation? Because God called out a man by the name of Abraham, and he says, through you, I'm going to make you into a great nation, and through you, all the nations will be blessed. Through this nation that I'm going to create, all the nations are going to be blessed. In the New Testament, we are grafted into that. What Peter is saying is, is this isn't about uh, a geographical people. This is Jew and Gentile. Anybody who wants to come in through faith in Jesus Christ, you get to be a part of my family. You get to be a chosen race. You get to be a royal priesthood. You, church, you're a holy nation. You're a people for his own possession. That means you're, you're his special possession. If you're reading King James, it says peculiar. That doesn't mean you're weird. It means you're special. Some of us are weird, but that's not what it's, that's, that's not what he's saying. He says, you're unique. You're, you're, you're special to God. You're a prized possession of, of God's. And then I love this, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. There's your mission statement. That's your purpose. That's one to underline. That's, I mean, this whole passage right here, uh, 9 through 10 especially, but 9 through 12, that is one to highlight and to go over and to commit it to memory because that is who you are and out of who you are, what you are called to do. And so as a royal priesthood, as a chosen race, as a holy nation, as a people for God's own possession, a special possession, we were created and redeemed to proclaim the excellencies of God who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. How do we do that? I've said it through our love, through our life, and through our lips. That we acknowledge him in all of our ways that we tell the world about him, that we're not ashamed of Jesus, and we live it out. The way we live our lives and the way we speak of him proclaims, it declares the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It shows the world that we have been called out of darkness and into the light of Jesus Christ. That's our purpose statement. That's why we're here. And that's why, that's why my heart is for, you know, you've got these, you've got the unbelievers over here, and you've got, you've got these people that are following Jesus over here. Man, my heart is burdened. I hurt for those in the, in the middle, those, those, those Christians that, that, that have the forgiveness of God, but no power or purpose. 
They, 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 they have received uh, Jesus. They believe Jesus died on the cross for their sins, but they, they live their lives just like this. Now, that's all I want. I just want forgiveness of sins. I don't want any more. I'm going to keep you at arm's length. Just let me live my life and go on and no, 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 and just, and just living life and not living for Jesus. I mean, we've been given a purpose to be lights in the world, to let our light shine brightly, to, to reconcile this world back to God. But yeah, we're going, no, 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 no. We just... We are a chosen people called out to proclaim the excellencies of of Jesus who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What a glorious purpose. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. We've been brought into the family. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's good. Peter says, beloved, I, I urge you as, as sojourners and exiles, he's using all this Old Testament language uh, for, for, for Israel's because we, 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 we're spiritual exiles, right? And then we're called out of darkness into the light. There's this great exodus that's happening in Jesus, but we're still exiles on this earth. And again, the Bible teaches that, that God is bringing about a new heavens and a, and a new earth. When I say we're exiles on this earth, after the pattern of this world. The darkness of this world. This world isn't our home. We have a heavenly home. I urge you as sojourners and exiles, he says to the church, to abstain from the passions of the flesh because you're in a world full of the passions of the flesh. And so those old mindsets, he says that they, they wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct, I love this, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Now, what does he say, Gentiles? I thought, Scott, you said that these were Gentile Christians. I did. He means Gentiles. He means unbelievers. See, Old Testament, the Gentiles were the, you know, they were the, the, the unbelieving other nations, right? But Israel was his prized possession. Here, Gentiles are unbelievers, those who have not been transferred Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. This is something that we need to really take home with us. So that when they speak, e- speak of you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What is that saying? So when they speak of you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds. That means you don't snap back <laughs> you, you don't punch somebody in the face when they they you know when they try to to turn the tables on you and you know in our world right christians are being made to look almost almost as if we're evil almost as if we're wrong in some ways we just we are what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right the, the tables are being flipped but what does peter say because man they were living in this world too think about it the jews didn't like the christians and the romans didn't like the christians They were getting persecuted from both sides. But when they speak of you as evildoers, and they were, they were calling them a cult. They may see your good deeds. Let your light shine. Don't put it under a basket. And glorify your God on the day of visitation. Saying, by the way that we operate in the world, that people see that, 
And God uses that to bring them to himself. So if we're acting like the world, that's not, that's not bringing people to the Lord. But we got all these, these issues going on where we're worried about being right, and, and we've got to um, make sure nobody uh, crosses us wrong. And, but Peter says that by the way that we, we live out this salvation in Jesus Christ, it not only gives glory to God, but it helps others to see the glory of God and the power of God. We're not left here by accident. How we define ourselves will determine how and whether or not we even live out our purpose. What defines you? What defines you? Identity is vital in the Christian life, especially in hard times. Do you know Jesus? That's where it starts, right? You can't be defined by Jesus unless you know Jesus. You've got to become a child of God. Do you know Jesus this morning? Have you received him into your life? Have you made him Lord and Savior of your life? Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Have you placed your trust and dependence, as Luke would say? Have you placed your faith in him? Is your allegiance to Jesus? If it is, are you defined by him? Are you defined by him? We need to declare our identity in Christ because it enables us to be proactive instead of reactive. It enables you to be internally directed out in the world by the Spirit of God rather than externally directed. When we know who we are in Christ and we're able to define ourselves by it and declare it, it empowers us with confidence and it extinguishes the shame that keeps us from doing the things that God has called us to do. Defining who you are, it has power. And again, that's not name it and claim it. These are what things that God says about us. His promises, his truth. Remember Jesus in John 13, uh, he was with his disciples before that uh, that final Passover meal, and he says, uh, it says that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. So Jesus wants to point out here, John wants to point out here, that knowing that the Father had given him all things, all things belonged to him, he'd given all things into his hands, and that he had came from God and he was going back to God, because of this, because he knew this, because he embraced this, he was identified by this, Jesus knew who he was. Because of that, he rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, and took a towel, he tied it around his waist, and he poured water in a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. See, when we know who we are in Jesus, we don't have to be reactive, right? It's not about being uh, 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 right. or We can humbly serve other people. When this world is ugly to us, we don't return evil for evil because we know who we are and we know really what is going on and we can still operate like God has called us to.
in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, we see we see Jesus giving the, the, the guiding principles, if you will, of the kingdom. And those are things we can claim. I can say, I am poor in spirit. I can say, I, I mourn sin and brokenness. I can say, I am, I am meek. I can say, I hunger and I thirst for God's righteousness. You're saying, well, what, what, if, what if I'm not operating this way? Remember the Declaration of Independence. You declare it because God has already said this about you. And if he said this about you, you can declare it over yourself and then live into it. That is your identity. Our doing comes out of being. Our being does not come out of doing. You hear that? Our being does not come out of doing. Our doing comes out of our being, who we are in Jesus Christ. So I have no problem saying I am merciful to others. Well, Scott, you treated that person like crap last week. I know. I repented. Not literally, I don't think I did, but <laughs> but I define myself as merciful. Because it matters. I am pure in heart towards God and others. I'm a peacemaker. I trust God and stand confident when persecuted. I am God's salt and light in the world. Jesus did it. I only do what I hear from the Father. That's who I am. That's the way that I function in this world. I only do what the Father tells me. When Jesus was tempted uh, uh, by Satan in the, in the wilderness, you can see guiding principles. I live off of God's word. My allegiance is to God alone. I worship only God. Nothing else. No one else. I don't test God. It's not what I do. Jesus said, this is the purpose that I was sent to fulfill, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the man who knew his purpose. So how do we develop these, these declarations, these guiding principles? Well, I mean, it starts with God's word. What does God say about you? It's knowing. We've got to know what God says about us if we're going to declare it over us. Right? Because we said this isn't just name it and claim it. Hey, I want riches and I declare it. You know, that belongs to me. No, we've got to know what God says about us. What does God say about you? And then you take that truth of what God says about you and declare that truth. Declare truth that speaks against negative and sinful habits. You struggle with lust, I honor women. And that didn't come, like, that's not a word-for-word word phrase out of the Bible, I honor women, but it's a principle, right? We get that from the Sermon on the Mount, that we're not to lust after others who are, isn't our husband or wife. Declare truth that speaks against the lies, the shame, and the, and the negative talk. That's why um, Daxton got his name right. <laughs> <laughs> he probably didn't like it the other day. He probably don't like it that I'm using this illustration, but it just uh, came to mind. I told him, I was like, don't, don't, don't. And I know they're just playing, but don't call your brother an idiot. Don't call yourself an idiot. You're not an idiot. Man, because those words have power. I'm not talking magical power. They have psychological and spiritual power. You understand what I'm saying? 
So declare truth. What does God say about you? Man, it's okay to define yourself. I am a child of God, a child of the king, a citizen of his kingdom. I'm a new creation. Shame is what's telling you, no, don't say that. That's not not humble. Reinforce your purpose and who God says you are. Humility doesn't mean we're not walking in confidence. Y'all know that, right? Because humility isn't self-loathing. That's false humility. Yeah, I've heard it said, and this is true, humility is like you're not often thinking of yourself, but you have these guiding principles of knowing who you are so you're not thinking, (laughs) so that your world doesn't revolve around you all the time. When you know who you are, you can take off your cloak and put a wash bait, you know, you can wash people's feet. It's not all about you. It's not like Jesus like, oh my goodness, I'm the son of God. What are you talking about? Wash people's feet. That's beneath me. Knowing who he was allowed him to do this. That's a principle for us. Knowing who we are gets our minds off of us and out there in the world. Declare what empowers you to show up differently. And here's the thing, we can even fashion, uh, we can fashion our declarations after the people that we, we admire. We can do that. That's not idolatry. Paul, Paul says, I mean, and, then, and Paul was so bold to say, you know, today we consider that he was full of pride. But he says, follow me as I follow Christ. I can be like, man, Edu is so gentle, you know, I want to be, be like Edu. That's, you know, I want to be like him okay to honor people and want to be like that. You know what I'm saying? I want to be like Luke. He's so funny. I do want to be like Luke as he follows Christ. This is important. Make sure that they address current struggles. Make sure that they address current struggles, things that you're going through right now. Christians spend so much time working on things that we already are walking in victory over. I think a lot of times that's why we stumble from keep growing. It's like we worked on some, these things, we got saved and we got delivered from these things, and now we got victory and we're walking in this new default way of being in, in Christ. And meanwhile, there's other areas that God's saying, hey, I want to clean up those areas too, and we're just ignoring those. Tim Keller said that your worst, your worst sin right now is the one that you're justifying the most. Most harmful sin. So man, that's why, you know, backing up to the beginning of our series, that's why self-awareness is so important, or reflection, allowing God, allowing God in so he can, he can show you, because like repentance is an ongoing thing. It's just like he's showing you and I'm handing it over, he's showing you, I'm, I'm handing it over. So make sure that uh, your, your declarations are addressing current struggles because those are the areas that God is working on you right now. And I like to use defining declarative language. Like, I've, I've learned that, you know, I, I, I want to be, be like this. You know, it's kind of a pie-in-the-sky type thing. I learned that it's okay because of Christ that is in me to declare this is who I am. 
And again, if your guiding principles, if, if, if these things don't define your current reality, remember the Declaration of Independence. God has already declared these things over you. In fact, unlike the Declaration of Independence, he, he hasn't just declared us free, we are free. But we don't live into it. We've got to live into it, right? You've got to fight the good fight of faith. So declare your victory. Oh, it's already up. Here's five steps to declaring our victory. Reflect, reflect. Reflect on the negative ways that you show up. That goes back to things we've been talking about in, in, in past week. Allow God in. Allow him to search you like David did. And when he, when he shows you things, ask why. Say, hey, what's going on here? Stay curious. What's the threat? What's going on? Why do I, why do I uh, get uh, timid or depressed when this happens or when people say this or I'm in this certain situation? Why do, why do I get down? Why do I want to go hide? Or why do I get aggressive? Why do I get angry? Why do I get uh, uh, triggered and, and reactive when, when this happens? What's going on there? What's the threat? And God shows you repent. What's repent? Anybody remember? Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a change of mind. That's all that word means. I mean, the word repent could be used other places outside of the Bible, back in Bible times. It's, the, it's to change your mind about something. And so when God shows you something that's, that's harmful in your life, repent. Change your mind about it. Renounce it as a lie, just like Jesus did in the, in, the, uh, in the wilderness. Renounce it as a lie from the enemy and prune it. Remember, you, you prune something, you cut back on it so that it grows healthier, so allow God to prune those things out of your life. Ask God who he's created and redeemed you to be. How do you want me to be? How do you want me to show up in this situation? Who do you want me to be? Who am I called to be in these particular situations where I've been getting tripped up? How do you define me here? How do you want to show up when you're triggered? And then declare it. That's just define, define your future. Define who you are. It's an act of faith. It's an act of trusting God to transform you. And use language that's, that's, that's powerful enough to, uh, to move you into action. And we're talking about this right now. I coach uh, our two AV guys back, back there, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I won't tell you which one's Mr. Hyde. <laughs> but, but we talk about, when we talk about these declarations or guiding principles, because they, at a point, you know, there's, there's one thing about talking about how it defines you overall, but then we, we start talking about particular situations. You know, I'm struggling over here. Well, what's a guiding principle you might can put in place to guide you when you're in that, that situation, you know? And then, you know, they think about it and they, they come up with, with something and then say, well, is it, is it, is it powerful enough to, to uh, move you into action? Does it, does it have power? Does it, does it work? Because <laughs> if it doesn't work, I mean, you can quote scripture all day, and if it's not working, then approach it differently. You <laughs> find something that, that works. Does that make sense? Yeah, if it's not, if it's not powerful, now it's not working. So try it on and then, you know, go with something else. 
and you might even want to to write it down. Like sometimes I, I got in my in my phone the things that God is working in me right now, and so I've come up with these these uh, declarations, these uh, guiding principles, and they're just short enough. They're not these long. It's not a passage. It's just short enough that I can remember it. You know, when the Holy Spirit convicts me of something, no, this is the way I want to show up. And then sometimes I'll pull them out and I read them just to remember. Declare it, commit to it. You got to be committed. If you're not committed, just like the, the the Christian walk. I mean, the Christian life. If you're not committed to it, you're not you're not going to do anything. It's it's our faith isn't passive. It's dependent. It's totally one hundred percent dependent on Jesus. But it's not passive. The difference. And then fight for it. Fight every day. Paul uses that analogy, the good fight of faith. We're fighting with faith. Fight. You'll win some, you'll lose some. Don't let your feelings drive your life. Your values should. Don't be defeated by one setback. I always say, get up, get get back up on the horse. Fight the fight, run the race. That's that's the analogies Paul used. He's, he's got his eyes on Christ. He keeps running. Every weight that would hold him down, he lets it drop to the ground, and he just keeps going. He keeps going. He's running. He's running. But he knows the victory is already his, and that keeps him going because Christ has already made him his own. Right? So he knows he already belongs to Christ. So he's running. He's running. And stay at it until you're living in a new way, until you're living in a new fault, default rather, until you're living as the new creation that God has already said that you are. So what if you mess up? Acknowledge it. And I would say specifically, it's like my wife, when I say I'm sorry, for what? Because she knows, she knows how, how we can be. Oh, I don't want, I don't like conflict. I don't want to, you know, I don't want conflict. So I say I'm sorry. For what? Because if you don't know what you're sorry for, you're not gonna, you're not gonna change it. <laughs> you're not gonna allow God to change it. You know, what are you sorry for? Acknowledge it specifically to to God and to yourself. This is I'm gonna call a spade a spade. This is. Get present with the impact. This one's a little uncomfortable sometimes as Christians when we're talking to others. Is you know because you know it just feels uncomfortable. Lori, how did that hurt you? No, probably more so. Let me turn to Harry. Harry, how did that hurt you? How did that make you feel? You're like, oh my goodness, I don't know. I think there's a way to do it, man. Hurt, Harry, I mean, I I know I hurt you. Did I hurt you? How? The point is, is to get present so you know the, the, the damage that your actions have caused. Does that make sense? Then offer a heartfelt apology to God, to the, the person that you offended, or even yourself. Here's the thing you'll hear me say that you, you might not hear a lot, but accept your own apology. Because God does. Give yourself, give yourself some, some grace. Well, won't that, you know, if I do that, won't I take it too lightly? No, because before that, you honestly repented. You felt remorse over what you did. Now it's time to give yourself some grace. And then re-give your word. Clean up your mess. 
See, here's the thing is a lot of times we make a mess and we go say we're sorry and then we think to ourselves, oh, I'm not doing that again. You know, so we, we end up avoiding. But, hey, if, 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 you know, a lot of times you need, you know, re-give your word to what you said you were going to do and make it, make it right. Or if you can't, then, you know, talk about it with the person that you made a miss with and say, hey, I, I over-promised in something that I can't deliver on. I'm sorry. We got to know who we are in Jesus Christ because people in this world, as we all know so well, they react in a variety of, of negative ways. And if we aren't purposeful, we will too. I say walking in the Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit, it's, 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 it's totally dependent, but it's intentional. It's something that we do intentional. Who does God say that you are? So as we close, I want you to think about this. What is one way? All I'm asking is one way. One way. Let's start with one. What is one way God is calling you to show up differently? As I've given the message this morning, how is the Holy Spirit? What has he brought to your attention? What's he been stirring in you? What's one way God is showing you, calling you to show up differently that you currently are? And how can you declare the freedom to be who God says you are? So start with that. Whatever God showed you, repent of it, confess it to God. If you need to clean up a mess with somebody, uh, uh, do that. But ask God, hey, how do I need to show up differently? What promises do I need to to uh, claim what things am I not believing about who you says that I, who you say that I am in my purpose? And when God shows you, will you commit to it? That's all I got this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. <clears throat> we thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. Lord, we thank you for your, your promises. Lord. We thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus, Lord. And we thank you that we can walk in that victory. We thank you that we are children, we're soldiers, full of your Holy Spirit. We're a kingdom of, of priests. We're a royal priesthood, a chosen nation. People for your own possession. Holy nation, God, set apart for your good work of declaring your excellencies. Of people who have been brought out of darkness and into the light. Or show us um, how you want us to operate, reveal uh, areas in our lives where they're not uh, aligned with, uh, with who you are, Lord. Lord, now open myself to get me in alignment, Lord. Take that area and I want to turn it over to you, God. Help us to walk in the way that you've called us to. Thank you. 
Love you, Jesus. Amen.